Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's good to be with you in this way. Um, if you will, open up with me to the Gospel of John chapter 8. Now, uh, the next verse in our study through the Gospel of John uh, would be John chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 11. Now, if you have a physical Bible in front of you, um, you will see there are brackets around this text. And uh, you'll have a little note there that says something like, most manuscripts do not contain this um, these 11 verses in the original manuscripts. And, and what that means is that from the best um, historians and uh, those who study the, the scriptures in the original languages, in the original documents, in the oldest copies that we have of uh, this uh, gospel of John, in the oldest, most original manuscripts, dating back um, to within a hundred years of when John would have authored this, these 11 verses are not in the original oldest manuscripts. Now, that what does that mean exactly for us as uh, students of scripture? Well, it means this. We believe that the Bible is inerrant, meaning without error, at all in all that it says, teaches, declares, because it is from God and God does not um, mess up. God is able to communicate. His spirit was able to deliver the word of God um, through people, but because it was by the spirit, it was inspired. God communicated exactly what he wanted to when he gave us his word. Um, but we have an important uh, um, qualification. We, we say that the Bible is inerrant in the original manuscripts, meaning when John wrote the gospel of John, it was perfect. Now, what would happen after John wrote that original is that faithful uh, students of scripture, we call them copyists. What they did is they copied that um, original by hand and they would copy it and they were extremely careful. There were whole communities throughout history who have done this. And up until the printing press, that was the way scripture was delivered. And so what we say is the Bible is in the original manuscripts, meaning that first time John wrote that, that is without error, the original manuscripts. Now, throughout history, as a human being is studying and, and writing, they would make small errors um, for example, they put a comma where there should be a period or, or they misspelled a word. And so as throughout history would go, we would have these copies and, and we'd recognize, okay, there are a few marginal errors here, but in the original, it was perfect. It wasn't errant. That's all that we mean by that. Now, there are a few sections in the New Testament where throughout history, um, let's just say a couple hundred years in, all of a sudden a new couple of entire verses would be added. The two major times are this section in John 8, 1 through 11. And at the very end of the gospel of Mark, if you have ever noticed, there are brackets there and it's the, the like later half of the last chapter of Mark also has these brackets that indicate in the oldest manuscripts, the oldest copies that we have, the best ones, uh, these two sections in John 8 and, and Mark 16 are not originally there. Now, that may be um, disconcerting for you. You're like, so, so there are errors in my Bible. Well, what is amazing about how we study scripture is that we have so many 
old faithful documents that when something does show up later, we know it. We know that this story wasn't in the original because we have older copies. And so our Bible, God has even sovereignly preserved his word. Our physical Bibles, 2000 years later after um, the the New Testament was written so that we can even identify where errors um, in copying or even a few additions were added. So, so then you may ask, well, well, why, why is it even in the text? Why would our translators allow Mark uh, 16 or John 8 to remain? And, and what is interesting is that from church history, we can deduce that these things were likely true and, and truly stated by Jesus. Church history bore out these, these really happened and they were such a significant part of, um, you know, the church early on that they allowed these things to stay in and decided, you know, we're just going to bracket them off and tell you these are probably not um, inspired scripture, but they are likely true. And so John chapter eight, verses one through 11, you, you should think of it a little more like a newspaper article of a true story that Jesus really did in that time, but it's not going to have the, um, inerrant, inspired authority of the the word of God behind it. And so some of you may really love uh, the story in John 8, and that's great. It's a true story likely that that Jesus really did. And, And what we can also say about this is there is no new doctrine. There is nothing in these verses that, that aren't, um, affirmed and taught in other places throughout scripture. And so anything you, you love here, it, it's backed up by the character of Jesus and by um, the heart of God as we see it in all of scripture. But it is likely not to be considered the holy, perfect, inerrant word of God. Um, I, we're gonna put two articles that I found to be really helpful to kind of just sum what I just set up and, and, and maybe even expose you a little more if, if you're interested in that type of thing. But th- this is called textual criticism. Um, and so in the worship guide, we'll have those two articles. So if you wanted to learn more, of course, you could email me uh, to follow up if you have more questions about that. But um, what we're gonna pick up um, where we know is the inerrant, inspired, infallible, perfect word of God. And so we'll begin this morning uh, in John chapter eight, verse 12. John eight, verse 12. And we will read verse 12 all the way through 20 together. So let's read John eight, verse 12 together. God's word says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. 
They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have given us your perfect word that accomplishes all that you send it to do to to create faith, to strengthen us, to nourish us. And this morning, God, we, we just, we say that we, we truly need your word and we need what you have declared in your word to us today, that Jesus, you are the light of the world. Jesus, we confess we need you. We need light. We need truth. We need hope today. Lord, we confess that we live in a darkened world, in a world lacking hope and joy and truth. And yet, even in this dark world, you have spoken, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And so this morning, God, if, if we come to you with doubt, with confusion, with questions, if we come to you with heaviness and darkness and depression, if we come to you lacking hope and encouragement and strength, God, if we come to you from these places, we, we know that we can find hope today because Jesus, you are the light of the world. So now God, as I proclaim and teach your word, help me just to be faithful and Holy Spirit speak through me and reveal and expose us together to these wonderful truths in your word. Open our eyes now to see the beauty and the glory and majesty in your word. And it is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this text begins with with the second of the seven great I am statements of Jesus. If you remember in chapter six, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And the way he said it in the original language, ego and me, he, he says that it's, it's, it's repetitive. He says, I am that I am bread of life. And he says the same thing here in John eight, verse 12. I am that I am the light of the world. He is recalling the great truth that God revealed to Moses. Who, who shall I say sent me? And, and what does God say? He reveals his personal name to Moses. I am. Say I am has sent you. I am that I am. And so Jesus declares that he is Yahweh. He is God. I am that I am. And do you know who the I am is? I am is light. The light of the world. Now, the way we're going to study this text is, is what is, what does Jesus mean? He is the light. Of all the things that Jesus could say he was, he uses this word light. And what he is saying is, in a sense, light was created, 
Light was an idea of God because it would reveal something about God. It would reveal truth about the very character and nature of God. And as a way to unpack, what is Jesus saying here? I am the light. What we're gonna do is we walk through um, through scripture and see these, these significant moments, these passages that reveal God as light to us. And then we'll, we will see how Jesus fulfills these things. And so if you will take your Bible with me and open it to the very first page of scripture, Genesis chapter one, Genesis one, verse one. And we're going to read together the first four verses of the Bible. And we're going to see how Jesus fulfills this very thing. Genesis 1 verse 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. In the beginning, we see darkness. We see the earth was void and empty. We see no life. We see no light, no definition, no hope, just darkness. And what is the first thing God does with his creation? What is the first thing God says in the Bible? Let there be light. And God's word is such that when he speaks, it accomplishes what he speaks. And there was light. You know, often throughout scripture, when it speaks of darkness, when it speaks of the experience that humanity too often experiences, it refers to it as the shadow of death. Depression, doubt, anxiety, loneliness, fear. The Bible speaks of this experience as the shadow of death. That in this world, that shadow, that darkness kind of hangs like a cloud, a mist over this earth. That even though God created light and there was light, humanity has rebelled against God. We have chosen our own way. And, and so this shadow of death hangs over creation. We see that, we experience it, we have all felt that shadow hanging over this earth. And even though this shadow remains, God sent Jesus, his son. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am. Am light. And I lift that shadow. 
I remove that veil of heaviness and darkness, that cloud. If you will, turn with me to Psalms 107. I want us to see, as the psalmist speaks of this, Psalm 107 verse 10, speaks to the reality that we experience of the shadow of darkness and death in this world. Psalm 107 verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. If we, if you are experiencing heaviness and darkness, even like these in this Psalm, because of your own rebellion against God, let me tell you, God has sent his son Jesus to you as light. And if you would cry out to the Lord, you would cry out to Jesus in your heaviness, in your darkness. There will be light. Jesus can lift the shadow of death for you today. And so we see Jesus fulfills Genesis 1. Let there be light as light enters into darkness. You know, we also see the idea that light in the Bible is the way God guides and directs his people. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. Exodus 13. Now, this story in Exodus 13 is actually the backdrop of our text. If you remember this, this scenario, Jesus is, is speaking, proclaiming, he's teaching at the, the Feast of, of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles where the, the Jews remember that God delivered them from Egypt out of slavery and, and he provided for them in the wilderness. And even as the Jews celebrated the Feast of Booths, uh, what they would do is at, at the the a dusk, when the sun was going down, there were these four massive um, torches in the temple, in the courtyard uh, of the temple. And they would light these four massive torches in the Feast of Booths. And, and the reports are that the light would, would be so bright that there was not a house that, would, that that light did not touch in the whole city of Jerusalem. It was, it was truly this reenactment of the pillar of fire. And it is in this context that Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. And, and I want us to read Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22, to see, to see what it is Jesus is referring to and what he is fulfilling. Exodus 13, verse 20, it, it says this, Actually, verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night 
did not depart from before the people. And Jesus isn't just saying in general, I'm like, I'm, I'm light, I'm bright. What was the purpose? What was the purpose of the pillar of fire? The purpose was so that the people of God would be led along the way, even in darkness, even in night, even in confusion and in a place where they've never been. God provided a way to, to lead his people. We see this truth again, if you would turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, this great psalm is a celebration of the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, 105, it it says this this exact idea here of, of God providing light to lead his people. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you will turn with me to one more passage, Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah 42. We're gonna be in a lot of scriptures this morning, more than normal. Isaiah 42, verse 16. Listen to our God and and his great love for people in darkness, for his people, his care, for his people, Isaiah 42, verse 16, it says this, and I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do and I do not forsake them. Our God, your God, knows how to lead you, even in darkness, even in 2020, in a season, in a, in a time and place where, where you've never been and into a place that you have never been. God guides us by his light, by his word. And Jesus stands up in the temple and proclaims, I, I am the light of the world. I, Jesus is saying, are you lost? Are you confused? Jesus is saying, do you have questions about what decisions to make? Do you have have questions about your future, about where you should go? Jesus says, come to me. I am the light that provides you with direction even in the night. Whoever follows me, he says, follow me. I am the light. If you need direction in your life, look to Jesus. There will be many guides. There will be many experts. There will be many people telling you, go this way. No, go this way. The way to life is that way. The Israelites in the wilderness were tempted to go directly to the promised land, but the the Lord led them a roundabout way because he knew the right way to take them. Jesus alone is a sure guide for your feet. And he leads you by giving you his word, revealing himself to you. How else would we know who he was, but the word he has given us in the spirit of God that opens our eyes to understand and illuminate, bring light to our minds to understand the scriptures. If you are lost, if you are confused, look to Jesus and he will lead you where to go.
And so we see Jesus fulfills the very creation of light. We see that Jesus fulfills the way light guides us. Now, third, I want us to see the way that God protects his people by light. Again, turn with me to Exodus, back to Exodus chapter 14 now, one chapter later. Exodus 14, and this this may be something you don't typically think of, the way God protects you and cares for you. But look with me, Exodus chapter 14. We will read verses 19 through 25. If you remember, the people were led out of slavery and they get right, they get led by this pillar of fire right up to the Red Sea. God is leading them. Thank you, God, for leading us. But sometimes he leads us to places we we wouldn't expect and even places that seem impossible or places that are dangerous, places that we cannot deliver or protect ourselves. God, what are you doing? Look with us, look with me in Exodus 14, verse 19, as the people are up against the Red Sea and the whole army of Pharaoh is behind them. It says this, Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, that's referring to that pillar of fire, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the water being a wall to to them on their right and to their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea and all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, The Lord in the pillar of fire and of the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Did you know that God in his light, in his truth, in his word, in his very presence, protects you. He protects his people through his light. Turn with me to Psalm 27, where we will see this one more time. Psalm 27, verse one. Again, this is something maybe you don't typically think of, but but look at Psalm 27, verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And we see this fulfilled in Jesus. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though there is great danger and darkness, Jesus is the light. And let me tell you, when when the light shows up, the darkness has no option but to flee. Jesus is the light who defends you, 
who goes between you and your enemies of death and sin and the devil. Jesus, your light is your defender, your protector. Next, I want us to see the way that that the light is simply how we understand what is true. Turn with me to Psalm 36, just a few chapters later. Psalm 36. Psalm 36 verse 9 says this, speaking to God. For with you, God, is the fountain of life. And hear this phrase. In your light do we see light. In your light, the light God provides, we see light. And then turn with me one more verse, Psalm 119, verse 130. Psalm 119, verse 130, it says this, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. We see that that the words of God give our minds light, that God's light, his truth, is how we know truth. You cannot know truth apart from the light of God. This uh, well-known quote by C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis says, how do I know Christianity is true? He says, because like the sun rising in the morning, I I not only see it, but by it, I see everything else. How do we know Christianity is true? Because not only do we see it like with our minds, okay, okay, there it is. No, it is by Christianity that we see everything else. You will not understand the world. You will not understand humanity, the soul. You will not understand the times you live in apart from the truth God has revealed to us. There is no true understanding or knowledge apart from the light that God provides. And so Jesus comes and stands up and says, I am the light of the world. I fulfill, I complete, I am what all of the revelation of God is all about. He is truth. It's not just that you will find truth in the Bible. It's not just you will find truth in Jesus like another textbook, like another wise person. No, he is truth. Truth finds its home in God. You will not find truth apart from God. And so even the Bible speaks of this thing called general revelation. That's that's everything that God has revealed apart from, outside of his word. And so what is that? Well, for example, a natural person who doesn't know God can, can look around and, and can learn things about, say, science or gravity or the laws of nature. And, and they can learn these things. But even those things find their light from God. Their source is from God. And so you can't even understand even even general things about the world 
if that light was not given to, to you by Jesus. And all the more, that's just general revelation. If you want to understand the soul and the nature and character of God in eternity, that is found in God's word. And as we study the word of God, it says the unfolding of this book gives light to our minds. It gives understanding to the simple. And again, what is this book What is the climax? What is the point? What is the purpose of this book? To reveal to us Jesus. And so Jesus stands up and says, I am the light. If you want to understand truth, look to Jesus. If you have questions about life, about death, about joy, about love, about satisfaction, about relationships, look to Jesus. Jesus is the light that gives truth to your mind. Another thing I want us to see as as Jesus is saying, I am the light, we see in the Bible that it simply declares God is light. I want us to see that together. Um, Turn towards the end of your Bible to the the gospel or the, the letter written by John, 1 John, 1 John chapter one. I want us to see this verse together. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, hear this, that God is light. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is perfect. There is no darkness. There is no sin. There is no evil. There is no unrighteousness. There is no injustice. There is no unfairness in God. James chapter 1 verse 17 says something similar. James 1 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love that phrase. It can also be translated, there is no variation due to a shadow of turning. Meaning, no matter how you look at God, from what angle, no matter the lighting, you from any way you look at God, there is no shadow. There is no shifting. There is no trickery. There is no man behind the curtain. God is simply light He is pure. He is holy. God is light. I I want us to see this in one just vivid, radical image of the Bible. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. The very first chapter of Ezekiel is maybe the most, I don't know the right word, but mind-boggling chapter in the whole Bible. And I want us to read a few sections just to see the way that a prophet is trying to describe this image, this vision he got of God on his throne. And from the best we can understand it, when he sees this, what appears to be a man on the throne, he is seeing the pre-incarnate picture of Jesus. 
So let's read together Ezekiel 1. I just want us to see a few things. It begins, he, he's, he's going into exile with the people of God, and, and then he sees this vision. And let's look at, let's start at verse 4. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. Now skip down, he describes these creatures. And he describes what begins to describe the throne of God. And it's on this platform with these wheels and they're turning and it's, it's mind-boggling. And, and then look at verse 26 with me. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. This is just one of many times where man had the privilege of of even beholding that just from afar, the throne of God. And he could hardly put human words to it. It's just fire and gleaming metal and these colors like a rainbow. And, and, And what this is communicating is God is holy. He is unlike us. He is perfect. He is beautiful and majestic. And in John chapter eight, Jesus stands up and says, that is about me. I am the light of the world. I am the God who is surrounded by light. And you can know that as it declared in James one, that Jesus has no shadows, no darkness. He doesn't change his love for you is not dependent upon your performance. It is unconditional. It is simply coming forth from a God who does not change. There is no darkness in our God. Next, I want us to see that God reveals the knowledge of who God is, is also referred to as light, the the revelation of the knowledge of God, of the ability not just to know truth, but to know what God is like. That knowledge itself is referred to as light. Turn with me to uh, the book of 2 Peter, towards the end of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Now, as, as we read this, the, the, the context of this is Peter is referring to the time 
when Jesus took him and John and James up to the top of a mountain and Jesus shone forth like light. They got a similar image that Ezekiel did. Jesus in his glory, light was just coming forth from him. And Peter is saying, with my own eyes, I saw Jesus on the mountain. But he says something even more incredible in first or second Peter chapter one, verse 19. Listen to what he says after he describes seeing Jesus on the mountain. And we have the prophetic word, meaning the word of God. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Okay, what he just said here is truly hard to believe. What he says is the day he saw Jesus shining on the mountain, as amazing and as wonderful as that is, he says, do you know what's even more sure than that? Do you know what's even more true, more fully confirmed? Do you know what's more useful to you, Christian, he says? It's not that you would be on the mountain seeing Jesus. It's that you would have the prophetic word of God that is more fully confirmed than very eyewitnesses looking at Jesus. He says the word of God is even more fully confirmed than that. And he says, you will do well to pay attention to it because the word of God is as a lamp shining in a dark place. He says, do you want to understand the truth about God, the knowledge of God, the truth about Jesus? Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to behold the truth about Jesus? He says, it's even better for you that you would pay attention to the Bible, the word of God, than to see Jesus standing on a mountain. And so Jesus has given us his word as light that perfectly proclaims to us who Jesus is. And as John chapter one, verse 18, just doubles down on that idea, It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but he, Jesus, has made him known. You wanna see God? No one has ever seen God with their own eyes, the true essence of God. But if you wanna see him, look to Jesus in the prophetic word and you will know God. You can know God who God is through the word, which teaches us Jesus, the truth of Jesus reveals to us Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, the light, we get to know God. A few more I want us to see together um, from the book of Malachi. That's the very last, the very last uh, book of the Old Testament. And, And I want us to see the last prophecy in the last chapter or the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter four. This is the prophecy 
preparing the people of God to wait for the coming of Jesus. And there were 400 years of silence until John the Baptist came to proclaim uh, more of God's word. And so this is the last prophecy that the people of God had. And, and look what it says. We'll just read the five verses of chapter four. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Verse four, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The very last prophecy says, the day will come when the sun of righteousness will shine, will rise and will reveal the Messiah who will bring healing in his wings. And we see even, turn with me to Luke chapter two. This, these are the first moments of the, the days of Jesus when he was brought into the temple. Luke chapter two, and read with me for, from verse 25, it says this. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The very baby Jesus was being held in the hands of this man and he declared this child is light, is hope for the Gentiles and glory for the Jews. This child that was prophesied is the light shining for the world. I want us to see together Matthew chapter 27. As this Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world, lived a perfect life, fully obeyed God and his commandments, and yet, ended his days nailed to a Roman cross, the light of the world. And I want us to pick up Matthew 27, verse 45. We'll read a few verses. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. We see the light of the world ended his life and the whole world went dark. And the physical world went dark, but truly spiritually, Jesus was facing darkness at its core. He was facing the the wrath of God for sin, for the sin of the world. The light went out. Jesus breathed his last. And yet we know that when the light appeared darkest, God in his creativity and majesty and wisdom was overcoming darkness, was dealing the the death blow to darkness. And as we know, Jesus declared, it is finished. The cup was drank in full and darkness was defeated that day. Jesus rose from the grave and he's seated at the right hand of God even now where he has been completely ruling and reigning over all things. And we know the day is coming when that darkness that was dealt a death blow will be removed all together. Just two more I want us to see. I want us to see that salvation when, when someone puts their personal hope and trust in Jesus. When, when salvation comes, it is described as light. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. pick it up at verse five, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The most significant action, miracle that can happen to you, to any person, is to put their trust in Christ as your Lord. And that very act is described as the the miracle of, of a new creation. God who said, let there be light in Genesis 1, says to every heart, who trusts in Christ, let there be light. And that light comes and brings the glory of God. The blinders of our eyes fall off like they did to the apostle Paul and, and we are saved and we see the light that is in 
Christ. And lastly, I want us to turn together to Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. Here we get a glimpse, this prophetic glimpse of where those who have put their trust in Jesus, where we're going, where we're headed. This new earth, oh, this new earth where sin and death and darkness are gone forever. And and it picks up in verse 22, and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there for they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you have put your trust in Jesus, if you've put your hope in in Christ, if you have recognized I was walking in darkness, I was going my own way, but but I, I realize I need hope and salvation. And I have found that light in Jesus who says, I am the light of the world. Then this is your end, a new earth and the very light of God, his very presence will be there with us forever. And so we're gonna pick up the rest of our text next week. Um, Really the second half of verse 12, all the way down uh, to verse 20. But I just wanna simply ask you, have you, have you seen the light? Have you turned to Christ? Have you recognized that you're wandering about going your own way, trying to protect yourself, trusting your own thoughts, walking not in the light, not in truth, but in darkness, then this morning you can turn to Christ who is the light. And as he says, whoever, whoever follows me, that means you today can turn to Christ and say, I need you, Jesus. I need your light. I just wanna encourage you to do that today. And for the Christian, for the Christian, may we continue to look to Jesus to look to him for light? Is there darkness in your soul? Are you needing guidance? Do you need protection? Are you afraid? Are Are you confused? Do you have doubts? Do you need to understand truth? Do you wonder if maybe God isn't good or pure? Look to Jesus today and not just today, look to him tomorrow and the next day open his word to see the light as you unfold, as you read word after word, page after page. It gives light, the light of the knowledge of Jesus to your soul. It is what your soul needs for every, for guidance, for truth, for protection, for understanding. Look 
to Christ today. And let's look to him forevermore. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the truth that you are the light. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would press these truths on our hearts. You would make them real to us, your people. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen.